1: Good Risings, I'm Jackie.
0: And I'm Brian.
1: And this is Grateful Grains. Welcome back. This week, we're taking a look at some of the everyday superpowers we humans have at our disposal. We got it started Monday with a smile. Tuesday, we looked into building trust. Wednesday, we learned to expand. Yesterday, we found a co-conspirator. And today, we're healing the divide.
0: Matt Tremblay is Senior Vice President of Customer Remediation at Wells Fargo shares a personal story about a neighbor who sent him an anonymous complaint letter in the mail. He has a wife and five children. You might notice, though, that two of their children look a little different than the rest of the family, and that's because they're adopted. Their neighbor, though, saw two different-looking children playing outside their house every day and came to the conclusion that they must have been running an illegal daycare out of their home. He shares... I'll never forget the way my wife transformed before my eyes from this graceful, peaceful, sweet woman into this angry mother grizzly bear whose cubs needed to be protected. It was intense. But he uses the example to say, isn't it sometimes what we all tend to do with people who think differently or believe differently or maybe even vote differently? Instead of engaging as true neighbors, we keep our distance. We often make all kinds of assumptions about people we perceive to be different than us.
1: Trombley goes on to explain that his neighbor surely suffered from a condition called agonism. It's not a medical condition, but it is contagious. It's taking a warlike stance in contexts that are not literally war. Agonism comes from the same Greek root word agon, from which we get agony. We all tend to show symptoms of agonism when we hold on to two deeply held beliefs. First identified by author Rick Warren. The first is that if we love someone, we must agree with all they do or believe. And the second is the inverse that if we disagree with someone, it must mean that we fear or we hate them.
0: Trombley goes on to pose the idea that as a society and on a personal level, we don't properly consider the magnitude of the agony we suffer as a result of this kind of thinking. When our relationships die, because we think that we have to agree or disagree no matter what to the ultimate end. Trombley wagers that each and every person could likely think of at least one personal relationship that's been strained or maybe even ended because of some polarizing topic that we have little to no control over.
1: He suggests two strategies that he's learned through trial and error. First, cultivate common ground, which means focusing on what we share. He reiterates that by cultivate, he means that we have to intentionally work to find common ground with someone. Common ground doesn't mean that we're exact or that we totally agree and approve. All it means is that we can find one unifying thing that we can have in a relationship in common with another person. We learn to honor one another, even in our differences, rather than believing the lie that in order for me to honor you, I also have to give up what I believe. When you can find even the smallest bit of common ground with somebody, it allows you to understand the beautiful wonder and complexity and majesty of the other person.
0: His second strategy is to exchange extravagant grace. He explains that it gives us room to breathe, to pause, to calm down, to have the kind of relationships that cure agonism. And it's how we keep those relationships alive. He explains, What I mean is we're not canceling everything over one mistake, even if that mistake personally offended us, maybe even deeply. Holocaust survivor Corey Ten Boom put it best when she said, To forgive is to set a prisoner free, only to realize that prisoner was me. Tremblay goes on to share that his evangelical Christian faith teaches him that we humans will never be perfect, so we need grace. And while he defines grace in the context of his faith, he also realizes there's a lot of other people who have defined it differently and in different ways. One of his favorites is radio broadcaster Oswald Hoffman, who said grace is the love that loves the unlovely and the unlovable. He explains... It would be the height of hypocrisy, dare I say, repulsive to my faith, for me to accept the unconditional, unqualified grace and love from God, and then turn around and put one precondition on the love I give you. What in the world would I be thinking?
1: He continues by explaining what he means by extravagant. By extravagant, he means over the top. Not just checking a box. We can all remember when we were kids and our parents forced us to apologize to somebody and we walked up to them and said angrily, I'm sorry. We just got it over with. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is not having to give someone grace, but choosing to and wanting to. We exchange extravagant grace in our relationships. We enjoy the beautiful design of our neighbors. We continue to choose relationships over distance agonism.
0: Thanks so much for joining us on Grateful Grains. You can find us on Instagram at Good Risings, or you can find me at B McMuffin.
1: And you can find me at Jacqueline M. Wood underscore one. See you again Monday. Until then, remember, a better tomorrow starts with today.